Amen. Amen. Well, it's an honor to be here with all of you. I, it's always an honor to come back to Living Truth. I feel like you're family. I'm just getting my timer going, so I, I have timers. This is good. Um, I've been coming here for seven years, and I cannot be more grateful at the faithful giving of Living Truth Christian Fellowship. You give as a corporate church. You've given over $56,000 over the last seven years, and many of you have also sown individually into our organization, some monthly, some one time. And I want to say thank you. Those resources that you've sown are miracles that are taking place around the world. Kids are getting rescued. They're being healed and restored, thousands. And they're going on to live incredible lives. And many of them are giving their lives to Jesus Christ. And I hope today, as you hear the message, your hearts will be open and receptive to what God is saying, but you would also know it is a great thank you to the work and impact that you're making around the world. Um, since our partnership began, over 10,000 uh, men, women, and children have been rescued, mostly children, and thousands of children and their families have been empowered to stay free, many of them giving their lives to Jesus Christ, and they're going on to get married, uh, like Nate back here is going to be doing in, in a very short time. So you're making a major difference. And I just want to say a massive thank you. Who here wants to grow in their walk with God? Who wants to become everything that God wants you to be? Um, I have a message today that I, I feel God has burdened my heart for the body of Christ and uh, for this congregation. And my heart is that you would have ears to hear and eyes to see what God is doing and that you'll be invited into his kingdom work. Amen. We've been in this series talking about kingdom work, the kingdom of God, and that God's people are being invited into what he's already doing in the earth. And so I've titled this message, Rescue is Coming. Rescue is coming. God is at work in our world rescuing. We're on one great big rescue mission, or he is, from the start of eternity till now. Um, he has been intricately involved in, in humanity in our world, rescuing people, and ultimately through Jesus Christ, Savior of the world, he's rescuing people from their sin, amen? And he wants us as his people to partner with him in his kingdom work. He helped, um, not helped, he, he commissioned and invited Esther we all know the story of Esther in the Bible. He invited her to be part of his rescue mission, to rescue his people from the evil plot of Hammond. You see, King Xerxes was king, and he had a queen, and he got mad at her. He said, I, you're no longer queen. I'm going to pick a new queen. So he sent um, administrators throughout the land to look for beautiful women, and he brought them into a, a group, and he was going to pick his queen for them. And one of them happened to be Esther. She was in exile, a Jew in exile, because God, God's people had disobeyed God. And he said, if you disobey me, I'm going to kick you out of your land, the land that I promised to give you. And that's what happened. And she was in a foreign land and God divinely raised her up to be queen for an important purpose in um, saving God's people. And this evil advisor to King Xerxes, his name was Hammond. He wanted to eliminate God's people off the face of the earth. And so he devised this plot and Mordecai, Esther's older cousin, heard about it and pleaded with Esther through a servant. He sent this person to Esther, and this is what it says in Esther 4.14. Mordecai says, if you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place, but you and your relatives will die. Who knows if perhaps you were made queen for such a time as this. You see, Queen Esther could not just go before the king anytime she wanted. She was only allowed to go if summoned by him. And so if she went unsummoned, if the king did not like what she had to say, he could, she could be killed. And that's pretty crazy in our today, in society today, but that's the way it was back then. And so she had to make a decision. Do I stand in the gap for my people and risk being killed myself? Or do I keep quiet and hope to preserve my life as queen? And God, God's kingdom work will move on. Salvation was going to come from the Jews. And God was inviting Esther into 
that opportunity to provide rescue. Rescue's coming. And so, by God's grace, she said yes. And today we know Esther as standing in the gap for her people. And can I tell you that God wants you and me to be busy in our world today, standing in the gap for those that need rescued, those that need healed, those that need restored. And so my heart today is that you would have ears to hear what God wants to say to you individually and eyes to see. God is at work and he's inviting you and to me into that. On June the 23rd, 2018, there were 12 soccer players. They were all boys on the Wild Boars soccer team and their coach. They entered a cave in Northern Thailand and they went back in this cave 2.5 miles. It was a long cave. I can't even imagine a cave that long. But all of a sudden it started raining. And I used to live in Thailand. There's a rainy season. It's called rainy season for a reason because it rains and it's torrential downpours. And there was a massive rain that took place while they were way back into this cave and the cave flooded. And so they were stuck in there. They actually were trapped for nine days and no one knew if they were still alive. They didn't know if they were in a part of the cave that um, flooded with water. And so hundreds and hundreds of, of rescue type people got involved from all over the world. There were Navy SEALs. There were um, police. There were expert divers. There was... Um, medical people. There were people that, engineers that had to try to hike electric cables and oxygen and all kinds of things way back into this cave once they found them eight days into this thing. And it took nine days to get them out. You know how they got out? It's because hundreds and hundreds of people got involved to provide rescue. There was no way they would have gotten out for the rainy season lasts for months in Thailand. And it just continued to rain and rain and rain. In the same way, there's children right now all over our world that are trapped in sexual slavery. They're crying out for somebody to have the courage to stand in the gap for them, to see that they get rescued, to see that they can go on to live the destiny and purpose God has for them. And without the people of God standing in the gap for them, they remain trapped. Many of them will die in those horrible places. You'll learn today as we listen to a video, not right this second, but later on, of a girl that she had lost all hope. But because of faithful people that are partnering with God in his work, that beautiful girl got rescued. <clears throat> you see, the issue of human trafficking is, is not a small issue. It's a big issue. It affects every single country in our world today and all 50 states. It's the fastest growing illegal enterprise in our world today. And sadly, children are most vulnerable. There's estimated to be one point seven million children right now trapped in the commercial sex industry. 1.7 million that are, that are hoping and wishing someone have, would have the courage to come find them and rescue them and bring them to a safe place so that they can be healed and restored. <clears throat> I want to, my prayer today is that you would understand that God cares about this issue deeply and that God is looking for his people, everyday people, to take action and get involved with him. And I want to start by sharing a familiar story with all of us. It's called the Good Samaritan. It's a story we've all heard probably a hundred times. But my prayer is that today you'll, you'll see this story in, in a new light. In a light that, that maybe resonates with you for the first time, the depth of what God cares deeply about. And so we're going to start by reading in Luke 10, 25 through 37. And I'm going to be reading out of the New Living Translation. And those passages of scripture are going to be on uh, the big screen. So if you don't have that translation, you can follow along or follow along in your translation, whatever. But we're going to start in verse 25. One day, an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind, and love your neighbor 
as yourself. Right, Jesus told him, do this and you will live. The man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? You know, when you start challenging Jesus, the creator of all things, you better watch out. He, he wins every time. He wins every time. This religious expert knew a lot about the law of Moses and about God. In other words, he had a lot of head knowledge. He was an expert, quote unquote. But can I tell you, he missed the very essence of what God is all about. He was full of his religious duties. And he was trying to challenge the creator of the universe. Well, who is my neighbor? I've clearly done what you've told me to do. And Jesus was like, you've missed it. You've missed it. You see, but when it came to practically living out what God desired of him, he completely missed the mark. He was arrogant, self-righteous, drowning in his own educational eliteness. Have you ever been around anyone like that? I know it's not anybody in this room. Um, You know, I think that's sad. I think it's sad that here he was, a person who should know God. You sh- he should, when, when God came into the earth, he should be the one to recognize him. And he missed it. I think that's caution to every one of us sitting here. We can be so religious. We can go to church every Sunday. We can be a part of every Bible study. We could be the one that wants the pastor to know we've underlined and highlighted our Bible till it's a coloring crayon box. We, 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 we can wear crosses around our necks and have Jesus bumper stickers. But when it comes to the things that God cares deeply about, we can miss it. Man, if that's not caution and saying, God, help us see what you care about. Help us not miss the mark as your followers. He cared more about his religious duties than he did about people. Remember what Jesus said? He, he said to G, or Jesus, he quoted to Jesus, it's to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind and all your strength and to love your neighbor as yourself. But yet Jesus was challenging him because he didn't even understand the very thing he was saying. Let's read on. Jesus is gonna start by sharing the story of the good Samaritan to get to what he missed. And so... Um, We're going to start in verse 30. Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. Now get this. By chance, a priest came along. But when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there. But he also passed by on the other side. Verse 33. Then a despised Samaritan came along. And when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If his bills run higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Verse 36, now which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? Jesus asked. The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. This is what God wants. He wants us to move past our religiosity, our head knowledge, our religious duty, and to take action. To truly care about the things God cares about means we love people. We put them ahead of our own agendas, our own self-righteousness. We get dirty. Now you see, this passage of scripture, um, this, this road from Jerusalem to Jericho, it was a 17 mile long stretch. And it was notoriously dangerous for travelers. 
It descended some 3,600 feet in elevation. So it wasn't an easy hike. And its short curves provided excellent hiding places for bandits. This road was known as the Pass of Blood or the Road of Blood. So it was a dangerous thing. If people decided to stop to help, they could risk their life. And Jesus said, who was the neighbor? We're, this passage is, is, is about five individuals. The, one, the first one is the priest, modern day pastor. He walked on by, he noticed the man and kept going. He was too busy to stop. A temple assistant or church staff member, modern day church staff member, walked on by and did nothing too. He was busy and preoccupied with his life. Some believe, some commentators believe that the priest and the Levite being, um, you know, working in the temple um, at, at a specific time, if they noticed him and they saw that he was dead and they touched a dead person, could be unclean for seven days and they could not be able to do their religious duties for seven days if they touched him. They'd be ceremonially unclean. But that didn't stop Jesus from describing who the real neighbor was. They had a form of godliness. Get this but they denied the power of God. The apostle Paul says in the New Testament, stay away from such people. That's, that's bold. That's a, that's a harsh critic. And so, you know, I'm not saying that there's not grace for learning and growing. We all need it, right? We all need God's grace. But we're, what God is trying to say in this passage is it's gonna cost you something to get dirty. Move beyond your religion. Move beyond religious acts and choose to do the hard thing. That's what I care about. So then we move on to the good Samaritan. It's actually the despised Samaritan. You see, um, this man was moved to compassion. And when I say moved to compassion, godly compassion is action. It's not just word and deed. I'm going to go do this. It's actually doing it. He, what did he do? He stopped, even though he was on his way somewhere. So it inconvenienced him. He, it took an entire day or more to help this man. So he was probably a busy guy going somewhere and he had to put that on hold for an entire day. It cost him resources to bandage this man up, to put olive oil on it, to take him to an inn and to pay for the inn to take care of him. The Bible says it's a two days, two denarii, which is two days wages. It wasn't cheap. And then, you know, we know him as the good Samaritan today, but he was the despised Samaritan in his day. In other words, the Jews looked down upon Samaritans because they viewed them as a half breed. They were intermixed, half Jew and half Gentile. When the Assyrians in 721 BC came in and took over the Northern Kingdom of Israel, they started interbreeding and marrying and having children, Assyrians and Jews. And so the Jews in, in Jesus's day said, you don't, you're not a Jew, you're mixed. And so they looked down upon them. They scouted at them. They thought they were second-class citizens. And they thought that their view of God was, that they didn't have the accurate view of God. And then they also judged them for worshiping God at Mount Gerasim instead of in the temple um, in Jerusalem. And so they had this disdain for Samaritans. And so this Samaritan is walking by and he notices it's a Jew. You know, he probably had a lot of offenses at him in his day. People that said horrible things to him. That he could have a chip on his shoulder from the Jewish people because of the mistreatment and the scowls and the looks that they, had it, that they gave him. And so he, he probably, when he noticed him, had some feelings of, do I really want to help you? Should I really help you? If there was a gentleman that deserved to walk on by, it was the despised Samaritan, not the Jewish people. The two Jews, his own, their own kin, his own kin was stuck half dead. And yet he stood in the gap, the good Samaritan stood in the gap and he rescued him. 
He bandaged him up. He brought healing. And Jesus said, that, that's what it means to be a neighbor. When we as the body of Christ are an example like the Good Samaritan, it brings great honor to God. It brings him great pleasure to see his kids busy doing what he did on a daily basis when he was on earth. And we are his representatives and ambassadors. You know, what's interesting about this story is Jesus invited the three men to be involved in his kingdom work, to bring rescue to this man. Two of them did not see God at work while one did. And I'm here today. I hope you hear my heart to stir you, to have a fire in you, to ask God, God, help me see what you're doing in the earth and help me be part of that. Help me be a part of what brings great honor to you that will store up treasure that will last for all eternity. Did you know every one of us will face God one day? And our salvation is not based off our works. That's finished at the cross with Jesus. Amen. But there's great reward in heaven for those who are doing what God's asked them to do. He says there's great reward. And my heart today is that you will fulfill the assignment God's given you and you'll be partakers in his kingdom work. Isaiah 61.8 says this, for I, the Lord, love justice. Because he loves justice. It's his very nature. It's not, it's not a topic that God just wants to talk about. It's who he is. He's a just God. And because of that, as his representatives and ambassadors and as his children, we're to represent that in our world wherever we're at, whether it's locally, abroad, whether it's at work. In Psalm 82, three through four is, the, is, I think could be a theme throughout the whole Bible. And if you could put a subtitle here, it would be the good Samaritan this scripture, and I'm going to read it. It says this in Psalm 32, three through four in the NLT version. I love this translation. It says, give justice to the poor and the orphan. Uphold the rights of the oppressed and the destitute. Rescue the poor and helpless. Deliver them from the grasp of evil people. That's the theme of God's, that's God's heart throughout all of scripture. It's a rescue mission. And rescue is coming, people of God. Rescue is coming to our world and God's inviting you and me into that. And that is how the work of Destiny Rescue was birthed. Our founder and our team felt this fire on the inside of us that we want to represent God in our world to bring rescue to those that can't stand up for themselves, children that are trapped in sexual slavery. So in 2001, Destiny Rescue was launched over 20 years ago. And we're an international Christian nonprofit organization that rescues children from sexual exploitation and human trafficking. And once we rescue these kids, we wanna empower them and give them every chance to live out the destiny God has for them. So we, we provide things like Christian-based counseling, education, vocational training. I'll list more in, in a few minutes, but everything needed to put their life back together again. I want you to watch this video because I think this girl in her own words can tell you much better than I can of the power of rescue. Watch this. My mother is a drunkard. She's drinking alcohol every morning up to evening. So my dad left, and I was the one to take care of my little sister. She's four years. She got typhoid. I had to look for money to pay her hospital, buy for her food, to pay house rent. Every day the landlord was coming. Knocking, knocking, you give me my money. I felt bad. I was so young. Every time I had to sleep with those months, I was being sick, being sick. I felt ashamed because those months, they were seeing me as a prostitute, just 
using me, give me man and go. Yeah. And I felt ashamed. I was like, yeah, I'm not a person. Even I felt that God forgot me. Myself, but I thought I can't give up. Yeah, I can't. I was the one to take care of my sister. You love her very much, don't you? I love, I love her very, very much. I want her to be a good girl. I want in my life to get money and take her to school. When I watched that video for the first time, tears just streaming down my face. What really caught me and was so moving for me as she said, I felt God didn't even care about me. That everybody had lost, that no one was looking for me. No one cared about the situation I was in. But because of the faithful giving of living truth and many other people, just like the body of Christ, resources were given so that she could be rescued and learn that God does care. That God is interested in fighting to defend kids around our world so that they can live out the destiny and purpose he dreamed for them. If, if the body of Christ doesn't rise up, she stays trapped. She lives a hellish existence. Many will die in brothels, hoping, wishing that somebody would have had the courage to come get them. And we as the body of Christ can stand in the gap and do something. That's what Destiny Rescue is doing every single day on the front lines of this work to ensure justice for the Dahlias of the world, to ensure her little sister doesn't have to go be trapped as well. Today, that beautiful girl is free, living in our care and dreaming the dream God has for her. 14 years old. Can you imagine if that was your child? Her own mother didn't even stand in the gap for her. But God did. Living truth did. Amen? Living truth did. So we have, our organization has been on a rescue mission. We have undercover agents that literally are out every single day looking for kids in 12 countries around the world. Since 2011, we've rescued over 11,300 individuals. On average, we're rescuing nine victims a day now. We added over 2,000, we had over 2,000 beneficiaries in our care last year as children. And the average family size that we helped was six. So you're not only helping the child, you're helping the whole family. Thousands are being helped and healed and restored. We had over 440 successful raids and 580 arrests since 2011. Just last year was our most successful year ever. We rescued 3,144 individuals, 63% of them being minors under the age of 18. We rescued many that were four years and under. We had over 130 successful raids this last year and had over 160 arrests. It was an incredible year for us, by far our most successful year. And the reason that's part, that we're able to do that is because God's people are catching his heart for justice. And so we do four primary types of rescue. We do, we, uh, we do coordinated raids with law enforcement. We have in six of the countries we work and we've earned the trust with top government officials in six countries to do coordinated raids right along with the equivalent of the US FBI um, or the CIA or the DEA, whatever you're, organization you want to quote, but we're doing that and we, we're rescuing hundreds and hundreds of kids 
right alongside law enforcement. We'll do raid work right with them. And we put a lot of bad guys behind bars. We also do what we call covert rescues. It can take up to six to nine months to do a coordinated raid. Children are still in those places and we want to get them out. So we'll go undercover posing as customers. I've done this to build trust with the brothel manager, ultimately to try to bring them down. But it's really to build trust with these miners and say, we can get you out of here. We can get you out. Do you want out? And we'll offer them rescue. And many of them say yes to a brand new life. We have border crossing stations on the Nepali Indian border. It's an 1100 mile border. And we have 25 border stations. Last year we were, at, we were able to add six or 24 border stations. We were able to add six, 18 to 24. And we're res we rescued 920 individuals on that border last year. It's the last line of defense before they'll never see their families again. Many of them have been groomed on social media, promising the marriage or a job. And they are going to that border to meet up with the, the trafficker who they think is their boyfriend, um, fiance, uh, a business opportunity. And it's all a lie to throw them into a brothel. And um, one girl we rescued, she had to have sex 25 times a day. And she did that for three years before we rescued her. And that's the kind of life that these kids end up in. And we're able to stop that before it happens. The beautiful thing about our border stations is 96.5% of those we rescue at the border were rescuing before they're sexually abused. It's prevention, but they are in process of being trafficked. So we're able to do that. It's amazing. And then lastly, we have what we call survival rescue. Kids that are 10 years old, 12, 14, like Dahlia, are having to make unthinkable decisions because their bellies are seriously starving. Or they see their younger siblings at two, four, five years old starving and crying for food. Their parent, her parents have died. People walk by and they don't help. And so in order just to put food on the table that day, they're renting their bodies. Can I tell you, there's no such thing as a minor prostitute anywhere in our world. It's called human trafficking. It's the very definition of trafficking. Somebody is willing to exploit and take advantage of a child's vulnerable situation. And Destiny Rescue is standing in the gap for these kids and we're rescuing them to a much better life. Namazi. It was a beautiful girl, but she started with a rough life. Her father <clears throat> ran away. Her mother wasn't in the picture and her father ran away. And she was left with her grandmother to raise and her grandmother was a violent woman. She beat her, treated her like a slave. And it was so miserable. At 12 years old, Namazi ran away to the big city hoping to find a better life. And she ended up in a very poor slum village and it was very dangerous. At 12 years old, she was sexually abused. And at 13, she was starving to death, looking for food, someone to pay attention to her. And a brothel said, work for us and we'll pay you a little, we'll give you food. So at 13 years old, she's trapped in a brothel hoping that her life would change. It was miserable. She was filled with pain. So she started taking drugs to numb the pain. And she finally found jet fuel that she could sniff because it, it was a cheaper option. And Destiny Rescue, we found her one day while she wasn't working, sniffing jet fuel. And our caseworker, rescue agent, said, we help girls just like you. We can help you. She pointed right at him and said, no one has ever helped me. No, you won't. And he kept inviting her, we can help girls. We help lots of girls just like you and we can help you to a better life. She didn't believe it. And then when he mentioned that there was a food opportunity, it was like those deaf ears opened because her belly was starving. Sometimes when you meet a critical need, it opens their heart up to a greater opportunity. And she came into our safe home. And in that culture, they labeled her because of what she had been through as spoiled. She was no good. She was a wash up. She was labeled as insignificant, dangerous, a washed up, no good, dirty child. And so when she went into our safe home and saw all these other girls, she was afraid she was going to spoil all these other kids. And so 
Some other girls had recently been rescued, reminded Namazi of her past, and she ran away to a well and jumped in it, hoping to die. And one of the rescue girls saw her do it and ran over, and Namazi looked up at her and said, don't you tell anybody I'm in here. I want to die in here. No one has ever helped me. And she ran and got our team, and we rescued her, and we began to wrap our loving arms around her, and we began to help her see that all these girls in here came from a challenging past like you, and we're re we've rescued them so they can live out the destiny God has for them, and we love you, and you have worth and value because Christ died for you, and it opened her heart up, the love of God from our caseworkers and counselors and our house mothers in this safe home opened her heart up, and she gave her life to Jesus Christ. She began to heal and be restored. And one night on this healing journey, God gave her a dream at night. And in this dream, God spoke to her and said, your name is no longer Namazi, but I have named you Victory. Because in me, in Christ, you're more than a conqueror and you're victorious and you're gonna go on to do great things. And she legally changed her name to Victory. That is the work of God. Go on to the next slide. This is her raising her hand. She's in the white dress. She's raising her hand in worship to God. And she's a part of the worship team at her church. Amen. How does she get rescued? It's when the church rises up and invests in the things that God cares about because they don't believe that rescue's coming. They don't believe someone cares about them. But can I tell you God does? The greatest love story of all is when Christ came into our dark world to save sinful people. And we are to be busy doing his work as his followers today. And that is how rescue came. It's because of generous people like Living Truth Christian Fellowship. But we don't just want to rescue. We want to see these kids healed and restored, empowered to go on to live great lives. So um, we develop what we call a path to freedom for every child that comes through our care. And these freedom plans, it includes a safe place. We will investigate, is it a safe option to reunite the family together? If so, we call that community care. And if it's safe, it's the best option to keep the family together. If it's not safe, we have safe homes where they can be safe in one of our homes and they can have house mothers. But we want a safe bed for them. We provide urgent health needs. So, um, Counseling them if they are questioning abortion. We encourage them not to, to go on to have this, this child. And if they want to mother the child, great. If not, to, to put it up for adoption. But we're encouraging them with a better option. Economic empowerment. One of the main reasons why kids end up in these horrible places in the developing world is because of poverty. Extreme poverty, hopelessness. And so we want to empower them, eliminate that risk factor by empowering them through small businesses, microloans, job placement. When a child is of legal age to work, we want to empower them with vocational training so that they're equipped with a real skill that can increase their level of income. We also provide training on the job. We, we partner with many businesses and local communities and, uh, that will hire these kids and train them on the job so that they can have great employment. If the child is too young to work, we'll empower an older sibling, a parent, a grandmother, aunt or uncles. Who can we help um, upskill so that they can have uh, more income, which can help them steer clear of this? That's the power of what we do. I uh, want to share the story of Sanyu. Sanyu came from uh, a difficult family situation as well. Um, her father wasn't in the picture and her mother was um, living with a boyfriend. And while she was living with him, her, um, one of Sanyu's younger siblings got sick and had to go to the hospital. And so the mother went with the younger sibling and Sanyu was left home with the boyfriend and he tried to um, rape her. And so she ran away to stay in a, a home of some of her friends. And they all struggled financially 
and they were trying to put food on the table with rent and they told Sanya, you can't just stay here. If you're gonna be here, you gotta pay rent and you gotta offer help with food. And she went back home to tell her mom to hopefully move back in at home, but her mother thought that she was trying to get with her boyfriend, so it was an unsafe environment. So she ran back to live with these girls and they said, you can't be here without paying rent. She had no desire to rent her body, but she felt there was no other option. And so she began renting her body. And when we rescued Sanyu, she said she um, had to service so many customers, she lost count in a day how many she had to go with. And so this was the beautiful thing. She came across right when we rescued her, right before we rescued her, she came across some kids that were in a church and they were fasting. And she had mentioned that she needed food and so they, she said, or they said, well, why don't you join us in a three-day fast? We, God answers prayer. So let's do this together. So she started the fast. The day she started the fast, we rescued her and she came into one of our uh, programs. And the, in the morning, they were doing a devotional. And right after the devotional, the caseworker said, every child here at the devotion, we're providing a month's worth of food for you. Tears started streaming down Sanyu's face because she learned that the, the God of the Bible is the God who answers prayer. She came into our care. She gave her life to Christ, began to be discipled. And right here, you can see in the middle picture is her receiving her month's worth of food at a time. And... Um, on the right, on, on, on your right, the, the motorbike, she had a dream of becoming a hairdresser. And one of the vocations we helped teach the girls in this project is hairdressing. And so this was a starter kit that she got that she put on the back of a motorbike. And they drove two hours away to her village where, or her town where she was staying. And she's been hired on uh, in a salon, a successful salon in her community. And so she gave her life to Christ. She is empowered and she's being discipled by her local pastor. And get this, she's now engaged to be married to a godly young man. A year earlier, her life was completely hopeless. But today, her life looks radically different because of the people of God standing in the gap and providing rescue to her. Healing, hope, and restoration comes through Jesus Christ. You can go on to the next slide. We don't only want to empower kids. We want to empower families. So this beautiful woman, I was just recently in Africa, in Uganda, and this beautiful woman, we rescued her daughter, and we empowered her with a small business. She uh, now uh, provides porridge as a porridge business to people in her community. She has three large vats of porridge she sells every single day. And I asked her, I said, did you have hope before Destiny Rescue? And what is life like now that you've been empowered through this. And she said, I had no hope before. I struggled financially every single day. But today I have hope and I can put food on the table for my kids. And my child is now in school, enrolled in school, going to school and has safe, is safe instead of renting her body to help the family survive. So she was beaming ear to ear. That's a miracle. Go on to the next slide. And this beautiful girl is 17 years old. Her and her mother, she's been reintegrated. And now her and her mother have a fish, dried fish business. They sell fish and other small goods and pastries and charcoal in her community. And that's enough income to help them live above that critical poverty line. It's amazing. You can go on to the next slide. Oh, who's that? I risked letting them braid my hair and they did an amazing job. They were so excited. I was like, Lord, protect me. And, uh, but they did amazing. And uh, they're um, learning the vocation of hairdressing and braiding and all the beautiful things. And so there was about 20 something in there and three of them were like, can we mess with your hair? In great love, I said, yes, I risked it all. Uh, you can go on to the next slide. One of the most powerful things we do is we have a heart to share the gospel with the kids that come through our care. And this was a trauma rehabilitation program or class that they were going through, Christian-based counseling. It's, we have a world-renowned program called Empower. It takes the best of Christianity and the best of science mixed together to bring healing and wholeness to these kids. And in this, there were about 40-something girls in there, and 16 of them raised their hand to accept Christ for the first time. We care deeply about kids and their eternal souls. You can go on to the next slide. And this is 
the beautiful kids in one of the homes. Today, they're flourishing and thriving and they're cheeky little kids, uh, young teenagers. But they're filled with hope today because of God's people rising up and standing in the gap for these kids. Can I tell you, nothing excites me more than when God's people rise up in our world to be the hands and feet of Jesus in a critical hour when people think there's no hope, but the people of God stand in the gap for them. Right now in our world, there's 1.7 million children that are trapped in the commercial sex industry and they're wishing and hoping somebody would have the courage to rescue them. Living Truth, you've been as a corporation or as a, as a church body collectively, you've been giving into our work and we say, keep doing it. It's, it's making amazing miracles happen, just like the stories you heard. And some of you individually are also giving to us, keep doing it. It's making an incredible difference. But today, I want to talk to the person that you've heard us come and talk and share, or you've heard this message, and this message is speaking to you to get involved in God's kingdom work. You've been sitting in the pew, you've been coming, you're a part of Bible studies and stuff, but you've never invested your resources financially or your time or your talent, and God is inviting you into his kingdom work to take action. Will it cost you something? Yep. It's going to cost you something. Following Jesus costs you something. It costs everything, really. It's sign a blank dotted line. I'm sure Pastor Michael, when he signed up and said, I give my life to Christ, he had no clue what that meant. And he's weathered many storms to, to fulfill the mission assignment God's given him at Living Truth Christian Fellowship. But that's every one of us. We sign a blank line and say, God, here's my life. Use it. And so right now, we have an opportunity for that, that God is stirring hearts right now. I really believe that. To partner with Destiny Rescue by becoming a rescue partner. A rescue partner is somebody who gives any monthly amount to our organization. That could be $35 a month, just over a dollar a day. Some could do $50 a month. It's just under $2 a day. Some have been blessed to do more and some can do less than that. But the key is, is when you respond to God and you give, miracles happen. What does that mean? It means when your resources go into the work of Destiny Rescue, our rescue agents are out every single day looking for these kids that are trapped. And they find them and they rescue them. And they bring them back to one of our homes or reunite them back with their family and provide a solution so that they can be healed and restored and empowered to live out the destiny God has for them. And it's an eternal difference. Many of them give their lives to Christ as you've seen. And so eternity looks different. I'm convinced of this. This is what I'm convinced of. That when you partner with our organization, there's gonna be kids that come up to you in heaven one day and they say, you don't know who I am, but you're the reason I'm here. You see, when you went and spoke at Living Truth, it convicted me. Or when, you, when Corey came and shared at Living Truth and it convicted you of partnering and, and stepping over the line and making a difference by becoming a rescue partner. Those resources were used to find me. I didn't think I was going to be found, but they did. And I got, came to a home and they told me about Jesus. But here's the beautiful thing. It just didn't affect me. It affected my kids. My kids got saved. They went on to get married and they, and it was this huge, beautiful thing. And this army behind me is all here because of you. That's what happens when we sign up. So if that's you, we got these rescue partner packs. They're on our table in the back, uh, out in the foyer. And this is, there's a story of a kid on here, but that child has already been rescued. But it's a way to identify with children every month, just like that, that you're gonna rescue and bring healing to. So what I need you to do, if, you, if God's stirring your heart to sign up, is to take this envelope out in here. It says, start here. I need you to take this out, put your monthly amount at the top up here, put your contact information, have it, you can have it automatically debited from your credit card or debit card, your, or direct, wired directly out of your, your checking account or savings account via ACH, whatever's most convenient for you. Then you're gonna hand this in to me and you're gonna take this home and what you're gonna get in the mail from us is a welcome kit in about two weeks saying what you did as a rescue partner. And then every month you're gonna get an email update of the incredible impact that you're making every day, like the story of Sanyu or the story um, of Dahlia um, that you're doing. So I just wanna say thank you on behalf of every person who's invested in the work of Destiny Rescue. It is really making miracles happen all over the world. I wanna, I wanna take a moment to shift gears a second, and it's this. 
We've been talking about rescue is coming for kids that are coming. We can partner with God in his kingdom work. But one thing that we can't do is save ourselves. We need a, re- we need a savior to rescue us. You see, there's a big issue in our world today that's making all of this crazy stuff happen. It's called sin. And all of us are infected with it. And so when we stand before God one day, we're gonna have to give an account for everything we ever did. And we're all guilty before God, as Shane so eloquently said in in worship. We're guilty. None of us on our own merit or right standing with God could be saved based off our good works. That's horrible news. But the good news is, is that God knew that and he provided a way through sending his son Jesus to earth to stand in the gap and be our righteousness to pay in full the penalty of our sin. And he put all of that penalty on his son, Jesus, at the cross. He died and rose again, conquering the power of sin and death so that when we place our faith and trust in Jesus, we can be forgiven. And it's not enough just to know that truth. You have to individually receive that for yourself. And so right now, we're gonna give you a chance to do that. If you've never accepted Jesus into your heart, he wants you to be part of his forever family. He loves you. He's for you. He wants to wipe out every mistake you've ever made, your past, present, and future. And he wants to invite you into his family and live with him forever in heaven. And so with every head bowed and eyes closed, this is a holy moment for anybody who's never made the decision to make Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life. So right now, when I count to three, if you've never done that and you wanna make Jesus, you want to invite Jesus in your heart to save you from your sin, I want you to raise your hand on the count of three. One, two, three. Any, any hands? Come on, don't be shy. This is a holy moment. Anybody? Anybody? I see one. That's awesome. That's powerful. Anybody else? Anybody else? Have the courage before we pray. Okay, on, on um, oh, there's another gentleman. Thank you. Thank you very much. We're going to, so I want everybody in, in your heart, just repeat this simple prayer after me. Lord Jesus, please come into my heart and to forgive me of my sin. I recognize I've done wrong and I'm guilty, but I receive the forgiveness of sin that comes through your death and resurrection on the cross. Come into my heart and forgive me and help me this day live for you for the rest of my life and discover the amazing plan and purpose you have for me. I want to follow you and I want to get to know who you are and your great love for me. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for allowing me to be part of your forever family this day forward. Amen. People gave their lives to Christ. Let's give a big shout.